Hello and welcome to Cocoa Pods, a podcast of the Birth Center for Natural Deliveries Foundation. My name is Dr. Bola Sogadi. I'm a women's health specialist. Today, we're fortunate to have with us Brianna. Brianna is an exercise physiologist in the Middle Georgia area. Good morning, Brianna. Good morning, Dr. Shigati. Thank you for coming. You have a bachelor's in clinical exercise physiology from the University of Tennessee. You're a certified cardiac rehabilitation professional from the American Association of Cardiovascular and Pulmonary Rehabilitation. You are a current member of this professional body. You also have an exercise in medicine level two certification by the American College of Sports Medicine. And you are a member of Clinical Exercise Physiology Association, which is the clinical arm of the American College of Sports Medicine. You currently work as a cardiac rehabilitation director for GACRI, Georgia Arrhythmia Consultant and Research Institute, and you are the executive director of the Georgia Arrhythmia Foundation, a foundation that is in its 12th year organizing the SCARE race. And we'll talk about that soon. You also serve as a health and wellness coach for this upcoming Heart Smart Tech company. You have been involved in utilizing exercise as a therapeutic modality for health and wellness for well over 20 years. And most importantly, you are a mother of two and you love to stay active in any way you can. Really, Brianna, thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. You are welcome. You know, just like we do with smoking cessation, you know, to assess somebody's readiness to stop smoking, we also do this kind of motivational counseling when, because the, the, the patient is already in front of us coming for their prenatal care. And we call it the five A's. You know, we ask them about exercise. We advise them. You know, we assess where they are. We assist with what is needed and we arrange what else is needed to make sure they have a successful exercise, you know, diet and exercise program, just like we do with smoking cessation. And again, like you said, this approach is definitely for uncomplicated pregnancies, women that have no other medical conditions that would preclude exercise. You also did talk about the goals of exercise. You talked about the 20 to 30 minutes per day for most days of the week, you know, and this will be adjusted as medically indicated. Now, the pregnant woman does have a blunted response to exercise, you know, like, you know, I know in the non-pregnant woman, we talk about the target heart rates and stuff like that, but there has been reported a blunted and a different heart rate response to exercise in pregnant women. Did you want to comment on that? Yes. So especially this is really pertinent for someone who's exercised previously and they're used to looking at their heart rate when they exercise to know if they're exercising hard enough or long enough, things like that. So the blunted exercise response, you're not going to see the same heart rates. And that's really important to relay that to the person. So what you're looking for is just a moderate intensity exercise. With my patients, I tell them that's more than the walk the dog pace, but it's not so hard that you can't carry on a conversation. So we like to call that the talk test. If you're able to carry on a conversation with minimal 
gas for breath, then you're doing it exactly right. If you can't carry on a sentence, state a sentence without having multiple times, you've got to catch your breath and just say word after word because you're struggling to catch your breath, you're probably exercising a little bit too hard. But if you have no shortness of breath at all, you feel like this was super easy, it might not be moderate. That might have been light exercise and you could probably try to do it a little bit faster or a little bit longer next time. So the talk test is a great way for us to dictate how hard someone's working when you can't really judge by the heart rate. Wow, wow, thank you. You know, I know there's some warning signs that we tell the women as to, you know, stop exercising when you see these things. From an obstetric point of view, we talk about if a woman has vaginal bleeding, if she has abdominal pain, if she has regular painful contractions, if her water breaks and she sees amniotic fluid leakage. You know, there are other reasons to tell a pregnant woman or anybody at all to stop exercising. Could you comment on some of the other reasons for us? Definitely. So this goes back to it's you've got to have a great relationship with your OBGYN team and have good communication with them. So there's the obvious ones that you mentioned. There's some other ones that fall in there. So shortness of breath before exertion. We all kind of expect a little bit of shortness of breath with pregnancy. So As the baby grows, it kind of starts taking up space that your lungs and your diaphragm normally would like to have. And so they don't get to expand as far. So you get that shortness of breath. But what we're looking for with the shortness of breath to seek care is an abnormal shortness of breath that doesn't seem right. You just can't catch your breath. So if you're having that shortness of breath before exercise, you definitely don't need to exercise in that moment. And if it's something that's different for you, definitely call your care team. Dizziness, headaches are definitely something that it just depends on if that's a normal for you or if that's something that's a new symptom for you. And if that's a new symptom, let's check with your healthcare team. The dizziness could be from hypoglycemia where your blood sugar actually drops too low. And that's something when you're exercising, you need to be aware of. As we're eating, we're feeding ourselves and our bodies as well as a baby. And so it's going to pull your blood sugar to support the baby first and you second. So our blood sugar can drop with exercise. Often people get that lightheaded, faint, dizzy feeling. And so if you're exercising for the first few times, or if you're exercising for longer period of times, if you're an avid exerciser, you might consider a small snack prior to, or maybe carry in something like a sports drink, a Gatorade with you when you exercise, just to have those calories and that sugar on board to help sustain your blood sugar. And when I mention sports drink, I have to tell people this, it's not the low calorie sports drink. We're not worried about our figure when we're pregnant. It's the full calorie sports drink because that's the one that has the right types of sugar to support us during exercise. So our blood sugar won't drop. Wow. Wow. You know, I have participated in 5Ks as a non-pregnant person and I have seen pregnant women run past me. And so (laughs) I want you to talk about this special group of pregnant athletes and the elite athletes. What is in women and, you know, possibly in pregnant women, what are these people and what are the special considerations for them? So when it comes to the athletes for a non-complicated pregnancy, it's recommended that they keep doing the same level of activity that they were doing previous to um, becoming pregnant as long as they feel like doing it. When I was pregnant, I was playing soccer and I played soccer into my second trimester. It wasn't until I got to a point where I feel like my safety from 
getting hit by another player or the ball. I could no longer control that. I wasn't as quick as I used to be, so I couldn't control that. And that was kind of the moment when I stepped back. I continued to run and walk, but I stepped out of the competition side of things. And that's one of the things that, you know, is a great conversation to have with your healthcare team. You want to definitely continue doing the activity levels that you were doing previously, but you also have to protect yourself from the blunt trauma that you could have gotten from something like a sport like soccer. And then you're talking about the elite athletes. An elite athlete is, is just this wonderful human being who up until the age of 30 exercises two hours a day, five or more days a week. They're often in competitions running 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, half marathons, or other various activities. They're just a different breed of person. Now they can continue doing this activity. There's still a lot of research that it needs to be done on this. It's really important for them as well as anyone exercising, they want to maintain their hydration. Water and fluids is really important when exercising and just really important in general for the pregnant patient. And they want to be really careful of environmental conditions, getting their body too overheated. We live down here in Georgia in the South and it gets hot and humid most times of the year. So we have to be really careful when we exercise outdoors that we don't overheat our bodies when we're pregnant. It might be something your body's used to when you weren't pregnant, but when we're pregnant, it's just a little bit more sensitive to overheating. So when you have those really hot, humid days, you want to avoid the hottest part of the day, try to exercise early in the morning or late in the evening, or move your exercise indoors where it can be air-conditioned and climate-controlled. So as far as that elite athlete, definitely they need to continue to seek their medical advice from their OB-GYN, and as long as they're not having any complications, they can continue that same level level of exercise that they were doing prior to becoming pregnant. Wow. Wow. Yeah, you're right. There's not a lot of literature, at least from the OBGYN point of view, on this topic. And like you said, it's prudent for elite athletes who wish to continue strenuous activity during pregnancy to have a clear understanding of the risks and to obtain approval from their healthcare professionals and to consider decreasing resistance load compared with their pre-pregnant conditions. And also, like you said, when you played soccer, these are high-impact activities. They have an increased risk of blunt trauma that you have no control over. And so you stop that when you felt that you couldn't move as fast uh, as to avoid the ball or other players. So we advise people to be cognizant of these high-impact activities and with increased risk of blunt trauma to avoid this. And also for the pregnant elite athlete, like you said, especially in Georgia, to avoid overheating and avoid performing their sport or activity in heated areas, you know. You know, after the baby is born, and you kind of mentioned this just very temporarily, there's just still continued benefits of exercise. Do you want to tell us some of these benefits? And I know you did mention some of the benefits before. Right. So, you know, one of the biggest ones for me is decreasing in that postpartum recovery time. That's just that time period in which if you've been there, your body just doesn't feel normal and right. It's trying to find its way back to a normal. So you have a decrease in that postpartum recovery time and a prevention of postpartum depressive disorders. And that's huge. I know that's a big problem that happens with so many ladies in that postpartum period and decrease in those depressive disorders is huge. In addition to that, it's going to be, you know, just some muscular issues. We've 
focus so much on just trying to keep this baby healthy and move in as much as possible, but we were moving in different ways. So once the baby's delivered, we want to get back to our normal activities. We want to get back to our normal physique. We've got all this we're focusing on. And obviously we have to do it gradually. So as we're doing it gradually, we're also caring for an infant. So it just adds so many different complexities to it. So it's important during that postpartum time, once you're released to start some activity, definitely start doing it. It's a great time to continue those healthy habits you started or resume them if you had to take a little time out from them and get back into those healthy habits. They're going to be healthy habits. They're going to help you recover. And they're also going to be a great habit to get started and teach your kids as they grow up how important a healthy lifestyle is to have. And there are other things like, you know, pelvic floor exercises for women that have had a vaginal delivery, you know, that can affect the whole pelvic area. So we tell them to, you know, initiate pelvic exercises, like you said, abdominal strengthening exercises, abdominal crunches, and the drawing in exercise, a maneuver that increases abdominal pressure by pulling the abdominal wall muscles in. And this has been shown to decrease the incidence of your rectus muscles separating in the midline called rectus diastasis. Do you just want to tell us a little bit more about some of these exercises that women can do just to strengthen everything down there after they had the baby? Yeah, that, that's definitely something that a lot of people contemplate and try to think about and want to help after they have the baby. And it's really quite simple. These are the types of exercises that often you're released to do sooner than other types of physical activity. And some things you can do simply while you're just sitting on the couch at home. The pelvic floor exercises, if I'm correct, you can start very quickly after delivery with a natural delivery. And those just are going to tighten up everything on the pelvic floor to get it back in shape. It's just like every other muscle in your body. If you're exercising your bicep, you got to get it in shape. And so our pelvic floor is taking a beating during the pregnancy and delivery. So we've got to use those muscles and strengthen them back up. They help so much in multiple different ways as far as um, maintaining good health and living a healthy lifestyle. The abdominal exercises that you mentioned, once again, are also very easy to do. The abdominal pull-in can help so much with that separation. And that separation is one of those things that can cause you long-term problems later on in life. And it's very simple to do. Once again, sitting on the couch while you're watching TV and the baby's resting and you don't feel like getting up, you can do these simple activities just sitting there and they help strengthen those muscles and pull everything back to the midline, which is where they had separated as everything was getting pushed out with the baby. Yeah, that's called rectal uh, di- uh, uh, diastasis mm-hmm. of the rectus abdominis muscle. The, Correct. The, the six-pack muscles, they tend to separate. Right, yeah. right down the midline where, you know, if you had a six-pack, which many of us <laughs> do not, right down the middle, um, they start to separate. And so, you know, as people start to get their physique back, it doesn't always look the same. And, and some people can be self-conscious of that. And so you want to pull it back together. In addition to that, whether you can see 
those muscles or not, you want to be able to pull them back together so that you can maintain the strength and quality of life doing the same activities you were doing before and increasing that abdominal muscle. We use our abdominal muscles every day for everything we do from the time we have to roll out of bed to bending over and picking up the baby and putting the baby in the crib, things like that. So just strengthening those muscles sooner than later is going to be important. Wow. And then just exercising after the baby is born, just to prevent that weight gain that happens with every pregnancy, there's a little weight gain that happens. So just watching a diet and exercise can help those kind of conditions. Definitely. Of course, you know, exercising is burning calories and burning calories is going to aid in weight loss. There's been research out there that it's not going to affect milk production in parents that are that are breastfeeding their babies. So there's no risk there. So as soon as your healthcare professional releases you to get back to aerobic exercise, get back to the activities that you enjoy doing, like the walking or the cycling cycling, water aerobics, swimming, dancing, any of those, or just your YouTube aerobics videos in your living room floor, something just to start moving, get those muscles back tone again, and and so that you can maintain the quality of life that you want. Wow. As I have one more question for you, but you know, for our listeners, I mean, you have had two children. I mean, you look fit for people that cannot see you. I mean, you. you look, so you're taking every single piece of advice you're putting out here. It looks like you have used for yourself. I mean, you definitely don't look like your age. You don't look like someone who's had two children. You still play soccer. I think your group formed the soccer group Mm -hmm. and you guys still play soccer. So this is just amazing. This is doable. That's what I see. It's very doable. And I'll be honest, after my first child, I wasn't the best at it. You know, when you have that first one and you really have never been through this before and I just kind of When I was on my maternity leave, I lounged and I enjoyed the time with the baby. And I got to about a year postpartum and I kind of was like, oh, I'm still tired and I don't feel the best. And I kind of had that heart to heart with myself that said, okay, time to focus on you again. I really wish I'd done it earlier, but at the end of the day, sometime is better than never. So I got that started and got to exercising again, got back to playing soccer, doing the things that I enjoyed doing and and just really prioritized me. And then the second time around with my son, I remembered that. And so, I, you know, of course I exercised during the pregnancy. I always felt better when I moved during my pregnancy than I worked up until the day before I delivered with both of them. And so when I was working and moving, I I felt great. Went on a weekend. I just wanted to lay on the couch. I actually felt worse. So I moved with both pregnancies. And then after my son, I really just prioritized I need to get started sooner. And so as the little things, while I was on my maternity leave, I would go for a walk and just pop him in a stroller and we'd walk around the neighborhood. He loved it. And so I just, I just found the time in which I could do those things. And I didn't allow myself to have an excuse. Well, I just had a baby. I can't, you know, I don't have time. I didn't allow excuses. I found an opportunity and I went with it. It wasn't as much in the beginning as it progressively built into. And now, thankfully, they're a little bit more independent and can do a little bit more on their own. And I still have to make those choices and find the time. I tried exercising after work, but when they start getting independent, they start having their own activities. And, you know, you've got to feed them dinner and things like that that they expect every day. So that's where I fell back on for me 
early in the morning worked best. They were still sleeping. And so I had absolutely zero excuses other than waking up and forcing myself to wake up. So once you develop a habit, it's so much easier to continue it. So I've been working out in the morning probably for the past five or six years, and it's just second nature to me. And so waking up early is not a problem because then it gives me the evenings after work to have that quality time with my kids, go in the yard and and play with them and not feel like I've got to stop quality time with my family to go to the gym. I just kind of had to find my time and my opportunity. If you don't want to wake up early, you can still have those opportunities. I go for walks around my neighborhood with my kids. I want them to understand exercise is important. Sometimes they're riding their bikes and I'm walking or jogging, and sometimes we all just go for a walk. So it's just finding that time and figuring out what works best in your schedule. But no matter what, it is worth it, and it is worth getting started and continuing it for yourself, for your health, and also for your kids to see you as a great role model on how to live a healthy lifestyle. Wow, you you just kept that real. Thank you, thank you. And finally, I have clients that come and say, I need a note of work. I don't want to lift heavy, just take me off. You know, so, you know, I know there's an, a section of occupational physical activity and there's some evidence regarding possible association between the health of the mother and baby, the outcomes and occupational physical activity. But the studies, the results are mixed and limited. I mean, do you want to just touch on that before you go? Because that take me off work. I can't lift X amount of weight. Write this note. How does that work? So that's a really great question. And from my personal experience, and of course, I didn't have a job that required lifting, heavy lifting every day and and repetitive lifting, but I felt better when I was up and moving. That was just my experience. And so sometimes, you know, you just kind of have to try it out for a little bit. But there are some jobs where people have heavy lifting, repetitive lifting, repetitive bending and kneeling and stooping and twisting and things like that. And that's definitely a consideration for them to have a conversation with their OBGYN. I believe OSHA has an algorithm that's very specific that the OBGYNs should follow that has to do with the weight lifted and the number of times lifted per hour or per shift and how far along you are in your pregnancy. And so they can guide, you know, whether you need a note off work based on that algorithm. And when it comes to OSHA and notes off work, you kind of have to follow the evidence-based research. And so, you know, if your OBJN says, no, I can't give you a note because maybe they can give you some great recommendations on what you can do at work to still modify. Like when I was working, I was on my feet most of the day, but I would take opportunities about every two hours to sit and kind of be the telemetry person and watch telemetry so I could prop my feet up and just not let too much swelling get to my ankles. So I had a few things that I modified. And so that's where a good conversation with either your manager or your boss, as well as with your OBJN as far as what you do and the expectations, where you might be able to find some modifications to still be able to work go through the day if you don't meet the OSHA qualifications to not work. Wow, wow. And I know for us as OBGYNs, we still use our best clinical judgment to determine the recommended plan for the patient. And at times this plan may include a formal request for an occupational health professional to perform an analysis and to determine the maximum weight limits based on actual lifting condition or just help us with writing the appropriate letters to the employers to help obtain these accommodations for the patients. 
I mean, you know, Bree, thank you so much. I mean, if you were just going to give a closing statement out there to our pregnant women, uh, we're in rural Forsyth, Georgia, but for pregnant women and maybe women in low resource settings and just one final thought, what would you say to them? Well, anytime you're pregnant, I will say, enjoy the moment. Let me start there. It's an amazing experience the good and the bad. It's something that maybe in the moment you're like, oh, I can't do this anymore. But after the fact, you look back and you just think, how amazing is it that my body was able to do that? And so when you're in that moment, one, enjoy the moment, but two, definitely take care of yourself and prioritize yourself. It doesn't mean fancy things and fancy gyms and and things that cost a lot of money, especially in a rural setting, we don't all have access to those types of things. So something simple, going for a walk around the neighborhood, just playing with the kids you have now, you know, being physically active and then trying to incorporate a little bit of exercise in there as well. And just finding a way to prioritize you. As moms, we put everyone before us. And it took me a long time to realize I needed to prioritize me to be the best version of mom for my kids and family. Wow. We have been talking to Brianna Wolf. She is the Cardiac Rehabilitation Director for the Georgia Arrhythmia Consultant and Research Institute. And she is the Executive Director of the Georgia Arrhythmia Foundation. And she will be coordinating the 12th Annual SCARE, S-C-A-R-E, race on November 6th at 9 a.m., and just a phenomenal woman. We are so grateful to you for coming to the podcast today. Your contribution will be helping so many women, so many people all over the world. Thank you for what you guys do, donating cardiac defibrillators in the community to help prevent sudden cardiac arrests. I mean, that is just amazing. Thank you so much for what you do. And thank you for coming to our podcast today. Thank you for having me, Dr. Scotty. Thank you.